Hi, everybody. Welcome to another version of the Bruce Singer podcast. I'm Bruce Singer, your host. And just a bit about the podcast. It's it's all about content, storytelling, inspiring, uh, totally focused on the food, the food and beverage industry, food space, alternative proteins, food tech. Uh, it's a space that we're very passionate about and all our guests. And today's going to be no exception, no disappointments. <laughs> it's going to be an awesome session. And uh, I'm also the CEO and founder of Canada CFOs which provides fractional CFOs and helps them raise money. Again, in the same space, the food, the food tech, the beverage, and the uh, health food and alternative proteins and, and that space as well. So today's, gay, today's guest, welcome Adam Grogan to the podcast. I'll tell you a bit about Adam. He is the he's the president of Greenleaf, of Greenleaf Foods, which is a wholly owned subsidiary of, of Maple Leaf. He's also the vice chair of the plant-based uh, the plant-based plant-based foods of Canada. He's the president of Alternative Proteins for the for all for all of Maple Leaf Foods. He handles all their investments in the alternative protein space for Maple Leaf Foods, and he also was the winner of the forty under forty category for in the grocery in the in the Canadian grocery found industry. I got it right. <laughs> Close to the right. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take okay. it. Okay. I got it right. Okay. And uh, welcome. That's awesome. And welcome to the podcast. Today's going to be an amazing session. And thank you, Adam, for uh, for coming here today. Thanks, Bruce. I, I really enjoy the podcast. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much. Anyways, let's start. We always start by the podcast. We, we're going to talk about investments, strategic investments, a lot of topics. But before we get into that, please share your story. How did share your journey? How did you end up in this space and your passion for for plant based uh, plant based proteins and maple leaf? How did that How did that come about? Yeah, well, I think I'm a bit of a rarity. Um, not too many people start in an organization right out of uh, college or university and and remain there for for the entirety of their career. I'm not quite at the end of my career, but I've been there for over 20 years. Oh, wow. And um, I was born and raised in Toronto. To uh, I, I think I won the family lottery. My my mother was a a guidance counselor and ultimately a school principal. Uh, my father was a bank executive. I have no idea how they got together, two completely different individuals, but they've provided a great foundation. And I have a wonderful sister who's uh, actually a, a producer at the CBC. So well, she's very different for me. She's the cool one in the family and tells me everything that's going on in the world and keeps me posted on uh, what I should be talking about. But, um, you know, I found myself, it's actually interesting, I, even though I spent my entire career at Maple Leaf so far, um, I, uh, in high school, was a meat cutter in a grocery store. And I remember Canada Packers coming in. Uh, they'd come to the back of the store and they'd bring these big sides of beef, you know, and we'd break them down. And it was a really old school back in the day when you had butchers and meat cutters in grocery stores. And um, that had zero, you know, zero impact on me joining Maple Leaf. But um, I remember it fondly. And I remember talking to those individuals and hearing their stories. And this was back when there was still the... Uh, the big, um, uh, you know, outfit in St. Clair in Toronto in the meatpacking area. It was, so I'm dating myself a little bit. But um, I uh, was in university, and uh, this is about the time that the McCain's uh, had, uh, you know, big newsworthy separation within their family. Part of the family, Wallace McCain, uh, did a leverage buyout uh, to buy uh, Maple Leaf Foods, which was Canada Packers prior. And Michael McCain, our CEO, was... Uh, on campus doing an info session. And I remember when you're a university student, you have, uh, you go into all these different info sessions at your last year, you know, seeing what you want to do. And there's free wine and cheese. So that's usually a big draw. 
and uh, I remember the one he and, yeah. And, yeah, and it was in the fact that Michael was there to talk about it, and it was big news at the time. And so I showed up, and they were offering an opportunity to uh, to join what was at that time a management training program. I remember Michael Lines uh, talking about this as well in his podcast with you, and um, I joined that uh, because at 22 I had no idea what I wanted to do, Bruce, with my life. And, um, you know, started in food service sales, was in operations and supply chain, you know, managing production or forecasting production, did marketing for many, many years. We bought many companies and, uh, you know, ultimately ended up where I am today. So I've had a really great run, um, a really uh, uh, incredible background and experience. I always joke it's a bit of dog years in terms of the different sets of experiences, different functions that I've been a part of. But I think that's the great benefit of working for a Canadian company is, uh, you know, there's nowhere to hide, but then there's also uh, ultimately lots of experiences that are laid out in front of you that you can that you can take and and uh, and do what you may with. So that's a little bit about me, and um, I'm really happy to be here to share a little bit about um, well, how we're thinking about the investment space. Yeah, so we'll talk about a couple of things, and I know there's a vision. the The goal of Maple Leaf is to become the world's the world's number one alternative protein provider. Is that yeah, we, we, you know, Maple Leaf Foods, I'm sure many of your listeners know it's a hundred year, well over a hundred year old company. Yep. And, um, you know, we went through a, a bit of a strategic review. We said, you know, it's very rare you get your hands on a hundred year old company and it's even more rare to last another hundred years. Yeah. And uh, we did a, <laughs> we did a, yep. did a strategic review and we said, you know, I think for us in the future, we want to be the most sustainable protein company on earth. And this was, this was back in 2016. And this was well before kind of protein word was even, you know, kind of a hot word. It was the idea was we thought we were big enough to make a difference and small enough globally uh, to really do some radical things. Um, so we're today, you know, the number one producer of raised with antibiotic pork in North America. We're the largest in poultry in Canada. Uh, we've obviously made substantial investments in alternative protein space, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit. Yep, yep. Um, and, uh, the, you know, the viewpoint here is that uh, we think we, uh, uh, you know, we're also carbon neutral now. I will tell you that as well. We're also carbon neutral today in our, all of our scope one and scope two emissions. So we're one of the few food That's companies in the world that is, um, uh, uh, you know, carbon neutral, but also has science-based targets assigned as opposed to, uh, you know, glossy ERG reports. So we're, we're deeply committed to the space. Okay. So let's talk about, let's talk about the space, the alternative protein space. How do you see, how do you, how do you, where are we and how do you see things how do you see things in, in the I guess the future of alternative proteins if that's the yeah you know I, I you know I, you can you can point to a lot of research but I always think personal anecdotes are a good one you know in my house I have two boys 14 and 16 and if I ever bring a water bottle into my house or, you know a plastic water bottle my 14 year old scolds me um, <laughs> you know that same 14 year old when he goes to Chipotle one day may have a chicken burrito and the next day may have a sofrito one and I think the next generation, as well as the rest of us who are a little bit more aware, um, you know, view, uh, you know, alternative proteins as just another protein source. And look, by 2050, there's going to be, you know, close to 10 billion people in this world. And we're not going to be able to, you know, subside on just meat alone. And there's parts of the world that get too much and there's parts of the world that don't, one would argue, don't get enough. That's our reality. So I think there's a big future in this. Um, we're in the first inning, uh, particularly in the protein side. I think it's been almost, a, a, you know, had some negative impact with some early success. You know, 2020, 2021, over 60% of the U.S. population tried a plant-based 
you know, burger uh, or plant-based alternative protein item. And, you know, to see it on the other side of that, there's a lot of negativity about it right now, but you can't argue with the facts. And the facts are that alternative proteins are here to stay. The next generation is protein agnostic. The, the GHG emissions that are associated with meat production um, are awfully high. And, uh, and that include and also water usage. And so um, not only is it on track and on trend, people want to be healthier, but it's also a necessity for the world. And so that's the void we're trying to fill. Interesting, interesting. So, so what, what is, what exactly is, is an alternative protein? Because I hear so many things. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm talking as a consumer, as a layman, what would you define in going to the future as an alternative protein? There's a lot of talk about cell based, yeah. yeah, we would take all of those, anything that doesn't come from a conventional way of raising, um, you know, a, a chicken, uh, you know, a hog or anything like that. So, for example, we've made investments, particularly in, uh, we've done everything from, uh, we've invested in Entomo Farms and in insect production, one of the largest insect producers uh, that produces um, uh, crickets and cricket proteins that I'm sure many have seen. Um, we have invested in mycelium. So, uh, in fermentation of mushroom uh, root, uh, which also is a great source of protein. Um, obviously, a lot of the plant-based, uh, you know, Canada is certainly uh, have a sustainable competitive advantage, being one of the largest pulses and legumes uh, producer in the world. Um, so, you know, cultured meat, also we've made investments in cultured meat. Um, I would put that in that camp, uh, Bruce. Some would argue it's ultimately you're just uh, fermenting animal cells, but I think uh, there's a new way of production. There's a new way of consumption. And I think, um, for us, we would put all of those, you know, all of those, uh, things into what we team alternative proteins. Okay. I got it. Now, when we talked a bit earlier, uh, one of the themes is one of the, the role of, um, of Greenleaf is to be a strategic, a strategic investor in Canada, in the, in the pro, in the plant base, in the plant base, in the alternative protein space. Yeah. What what is what is that what does that actually mean a, a strategic investor? Like what do you look for? Because people that listen to this podcast say, "Geez, I love that." Because everybody wants. <laughs> let's be serious. Yeah. Everybody is growing. It always it always gets back to that. You know, is because there's a role yeah. for everybody to play in in helping us be a leader. And I think Canada it wants to be a leader. It needs to be a leader in the space, which we'll have another discussion about that. Mm-hmm. So what do you think? Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll answer it in two parts, Bruce. Yeah. I think the first part on the Greenleaf side, we, we set up Greenleaf Foods as a wholly owned sub, largely because we made investments in 2017 and 2018 with some of the large, you know, the largest uh, plant protein brands, vegan brands, actually, I argue, in America. And that was Light Life Foods, uh, Field Roast and, and Chow Creamery. Uh, which is a plant alternative for cheese, uh, dairy cheese. Uh, and, you know, we set that up because at the time there was a lot of concern about whether or not an animal protein company could make investments in that space. And so we used it as a bit of a platform, yeah. uh, as a as a way to uh, bring those organizations together and operate in the U.S. And um, any of your um, listeners that operate in the United States hear about Maple Leaf, they think of Maple Leaf uh, Duck Company. It's not It's not a known not a known entity down there. So we've we used that as a, as a basis for that. The second part, which is really about, you know, where do we make investments? And, you know, a lot of uh, startups are interested either in an exit or a strategic investor where maybe it's not just money in a banker, but they're looking for an opportunity to unlock the growth potential of their business. Okay. 
And um, we've done both. Uh, we've made some small investments that I mentioned uh, earlier, but we've also obviously purchased uh, right organizations um, and integrated them into our businesses. And I'd say the things that we're looking for the most uh, in that process is really number one, the food. We're in the food business, so everybody gets caught up in you know the, the you know the sim cross comes across your desk and you start peeling it apart. But first is uh, do you love the food? Does the founder send you a box of samples and you actually consume it and go, this is really tastes great? I think we often forget that because it doesn't matter what you do. You, you can't market food you don't believe in or you don't think tastes great. Um, you know, obviously a founder, you know, a founder or a leader who's got, um, you know, really good keen sense uh, of, of how to make money in the space. Um, vision and mission are really important and they're, and they're very, you know, you gravitate to those individuals. But when you start investing in the kind of capital that we put in, um, you know, you're not you're not messing around. This is you know it's a significant amount of capital. We have a deep, we have a relation um, we have a responsibility to our shareholders to make sure that it's uh, on a path to something uh, and particularly profitability over the course of time. And then lastly, is really we look at those investments as an opportunity to uh, make a platform investment into a space. And I use the word platform quite a bit. And so, what does that mean? Well, you know, I'll give you an example. When we made an investment into the vegan proteins, you know, obviously we had actually, we had a, a brand under the Schneider brand called O Natural. It was started in the 80s, actually. And it was a soy-based line. But, you know, it was really hard for this meat company, particularly at that time, it was way ahead of its time, to really know how to market that, how to, what were the great insights, you know, really deeply understand the consumer, the technology. And, um, you know, for us, making an investment in an organization that brings a new capability, a uh, new channel, a new category that maybe they've already done some of the heavy lifting that yeah. we can then accelerate. Yeah. And that's, exactly. I think, a difference between a VC and a strategic investor. But it's not, it sounds like it's not, you mentioned some interesting metrics, like, like it's not always about the size or, or how many say, am I right? It Do you look at like, like where they are yeah. in terms of their stage development, like because I'm a numbers yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah, is that coming? Yeah, I think. Or? Well, I, I always say it's a path to profitability. Everyone's really caught up okay. in profitability okay. right now. Okay. Obviously, cost of capital is quite high. Yeah. Um. So you know, but it was too much the other way. I would say, you know, everyone was you know in our space was maniacally focused on growth at the and and that the profits would come. And the truth is, is that uh, we need a much more uh, balanced approach in um, in volume and profit at the same, you know, kind of coming along together. So what we're looking for is a clear pathway to profitability, okay. understanding right. that sometimes those newer organizations have a hard time getting to scale with some upfront capital investments. Um, the other things I would say are really important to us is um, margins. You know, the, the margins, yep. the, the underpinning margins of the business is one thing to be investing capital in uh in equipment to do self-manufacturing or in ad and promo and with consumers or understanding your consumers so if it's a negative ebitda uh as long as there's a path to profitability over the course of time you you accept that but it has to start at great margins if you don't have great margins um you know they you just can't sustain the level of investment you need to grow it's got that's the bottom line well it's got to be a long term because i see it all the time when when in, in any food space like it might look good. Uh, I get man, I just got into Costco. They're all excited, you know. And when you start to drill down, uh, it it doesn't. It's not that exciting. I mean, from a, I'm talking from a, again from the numbers perspective. 
you know, and there's there's pros and cons to both sides. I get it. But I want to talk about something too. In the in the we're okay, you talked about the strategic investments, but Canada's role, the, there's regulatory pressures right now or regulatory um shifts, if you want to call it regulatory trend. Canada's role, government, can you can you is anything you can share about your thoughts on on what's going on and how it affects the alternative protein industry going forward in Canada? Yeah, I think there's there's a number of factors, Bruce. Uh, it's a big, it's a weighty topic. Um, I, I haven't been shy on this on this point. I think you know it's very challenging when you are promoting uh, to Canadian consumers with the new food uh, guidelines that you want them to consume more plant based uh, proteins and and alternatives um, for the benefit of the health of the population. At the same time not modernizing your regulatory environment in terms of what you, your nomenclature unpack. Um, you know, some of the concerns are around, um, you know, fortification, the added cost of fortification, which means adding minerals and vitamins uh, to uh, alternative proteins as a way to have them completely come to a complete protein like its meat alternative. Mm-hmm. The facts are that 92% of all consumers in our space are, are flexitarians. They eat meat and they have plant-based proteins and options. And, so as an industry, you know, where we need government to, uh, to play a role is to really to modernize the regulation that it's, uh, it's a part of a healthy diet. And therefore, you can get your, uh, your nutrients from a multitude of different options that exist with a balanced uh, diet. Government also has a big role to play. There, there's a lot of work going on in the, in the, um, in the clusters and in protein, you know, in protein innovation cluster and making investments in the innovation downstream on value added uh, plant-based options and items. And I think government has a big role to play. Um, you know, like I mentioned off the top, we're one of the largest pulse legume producers in the world. Um, but Canada also has an opportunity to make that a significant point of difference. I just look at point to what's happening in Israel right now in cultured meat and the investment They've oh, really incredible. created a hub yeah, in that incredible. area. And yeah. so I think government has to get out of the way in some instances and has to uh, pour investment in some other areas so that long term, you know, Canada um, has a significant role to play defeating, you know, at that 10 billion people uh, population that we discussed off the top. You know, Canada not only can control its own food sovereignty and have its own food sovereignty, control its own narrative, but also have a significant competitive advantage uh in a global uh, environment despite the fact that we have small population in terms of numbers well because we have the land mass we've got the land mass we've got the i mean we got the agriculture could be incredible is government is this guy is government is is there a plan for government now or 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 they should be doing more is there is that something you can talk about is there yeah i would say government um you know can do can definitely do more in this space in this area you know we talk a lot about um, you know, how do we uh, support our supply chains? How do we continue to make more value-added foods uh, that are competitive uh, in Canada? The benefits of that are certainly to support more affordability. You know, there's a lot of concern right now around the cost of groceries. And I think there's lots of things the government can do, but I also think it's important for industry to work with government and, and share w- with them um, what we're learning and what consumers are telling us um, you know, I don't think it's all it's fair necessarily to put everything on government. I think it's important as an industry that we come together and we work with government in a very collaborative and productive way uh, to move forward. And I, I think uh, I think we can always do better in that area. 
And I think we all need to look internally and decide what we could be doing individually and collectively to do a better to do better for our economy. Thank you, Adam. You know, Adam, this we're all, we're coming to a close very shortly. This has been very insightful. Uh, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you want to share in final words that you want to share that perhaps we didn't talk about in final words about the industry or anything that final your know, final words, final thoughts? Yeah, I would just say, you know, I've listened a lot to the podcasts and hear, heard from a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of people that are in the natural food space. And then recently here, uh, some of your podcasts from some, exactly. uh, you know, financial people. And, and I, and I think what's really important uh, as a strategic investor in the, in, in these alternative protein spaces is, you know, we're really looking for entrepreneurs and, and startups that are, have very capable financial oversight. It's really important. Um, and anyway, that's your business and I'm not, I'm not suggesting, you know, take, they've told me the, to say that. I'll take the plug. <laughs> uh, but it's it is important. important. It, is. it is important. You know, when you're starting up, you know, it's one thing, but, you know, a lot of people talk about exits and talk about, you know, being the next whatever, you know, the next, you know, the next big thing. And it gets really serious really fast. There's people who count on you for their careers. Uh, you got to make payroll, investing in capital, that interest rates are even going to higher. So the stakes are even higher in that area. And, um, you know, it's really, really important to have the really capable finance uh, uh, support on the ground pretty early on, actually. Yeah. Um, and and because for us, path to profitability, certainly we think we can help enable it, but it has to be clear. And then lastly, I just say, you know, you do a lot of work with um, others in the food space. And I'd be remiss as someone who, who spent a lot of time in the Maple Leaf Foods organization. You know, we had a, you know, I think back a lot to our recall living through that. And I think it's really important for those uh, that listen to this, that produce food and beverage, whether it's in co-man, self-manufacturing or whatever, just to really uh, pay attention to the food safety and, co- and you know, food safety risks that are associated with feeding Canadians and feeding uh, the world. Um, it's incumbent on all of us to make sure that we're doing everything we can. And I know that many may see that as a cost, but it would really hurt our industry in the natural food space um if we have recalls that ultimately lead to bad outcomes and so um those are the last two pieces of input that i provide thank you Uh, thank you that was very that was great adam thank you so much and and a pleasure it was a pleasure having you very insightful and congratulations on really your it's not just what maple leafs are doing uh maple your your company is a trail trailblazing well, thanks, Bruce. We uh, you're, trail, you're trailblazers. I mean, on the on yeah. the global stage, the the sustainability. I mean, way ahead on the global stage. It's very inspiring, and it motivates me to be a Maple Leaf, a loyal Maple Leaf fan. You know, <laughs> consumer, and uh, I think it's awesome. And uh, I wish you much success in in the journey and keep going. Well, thanks, Bruce. Thanks for having me. I, it's an honor to be here. Appreciate it. Thank you. It's been, take care. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time on the podcast.